We are back with another edition of Chicago's Legal Latte, our podcast series uh, that we bring to you both in video and audio version. Hi, everyone. This is uh, Jim Mitchell. And today I'm pleased to welcome a couple of members from Lavelle Law. Um, we've got an interesting and maybe a little detailed topic, which is why it's great to have two great sources of information. Joining me today are uh, shareholder Stephen Magala and uh, partner at Lavelle Law, David O'Leary. Stephen, David, first of all, thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to this. Nice to talk to you again. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Jim, uh, for organizing this, and I'm glad to be back. So we're going to talk today about uh, employee stock ownership plans, ESOPs. Um, I know both of you have uh, dealt with this type of approach to businesses uh, in the past throughout your careers. You've done presentations on it. So, Steve, maybe I'll start with you and just, you know, general term, employee stock ownership plan. What does that really mean? Yeah, an employee stock ownership plan, if you want the technical definition, it's a qualified defined contribution employee benefit plan that's designed to invest primarily in stock of the sponsoring company. But it really kind of depends on who you ask too, right? So from the selling shareholders perspective, the one being, you know, the business owner, you know, they, they view it as the buyer of the stock. Uh, whereas the employee who's a participant in the plan, you know, really kind of views it as sort of a, a retirement plan. Um, and, 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 and you go through that. Uh, a retirement plan. Mm-hmm. So uh, really kind of depends on who you ask. So Now, we're going to kind of get into some of the details of what it is and the mechanisms, but I think our focus today is um, on a business owner who is looking to transition out of their business, looking to sell. And um, David, it would seem to me that uh, when appropriate, a great opportunity is to sell it to the employees of the business you've, you've built. Is that something you've seen in your career, that that's a, a path that some owners would like to take? That is very true. The ESOP is an incredible financing vehicle for a selling shareholder. Uh, it allows the selling shareholder to have more control over the selling process. It also allows the uh, company to preserve many of its characteristics. For example, a third-party buyer may come in and completely change the culture of the company. Mm-hmm. Fire people, hire new people. It may not be the company that the owner built over the last 25, 30, 40 years. So there's also some uh, cash flow advantages uh, by doing the company uh, as the, uh, well, in, the e-stop buying the company, I should say. Mm-hmm. We used a uh, trust, the e-stop trust, to buy the stock, and you get tax deductible contribution to the e-stop. So there is a funding benefit to selling to an e-stop because you're buying basically in uh, pre-tax dollars as opposed to after-tax dollars. And, and you, well, I, I just I want to ask because you you mentioned that David and, and when we talk about a seller their perspective, um, wh- what is this process going to be like? How's it going to be different than a traditional sale? Whether they're selling it to just a an outside business, whether they're selling it to a venture capital firm or someone else. I mean, is is the process of selling going to be different for the seller, better or worse or just different? From the seller's perspective, they are similar. The difference is with the third-party buyer, you're negotiating with an unrelated third party. When you're dealing with the ESOP, 
you will assemble the team, the trustee, the attorney, and things like that. Most of the time, this is a much more friendly process than what you would have from a third-party buyer. And, and Steve, as you've done a lot of these transactions, one question that comes up for me, I don't know if it's, it's an issue or not, but if you're an owner and you're going to potentially sell to your employees, at some point, do you need to open up the books to the employees that might have been kind of off, you know, off in the distance somewhere? People hadn't seen that. Is that part of the process, though? Uh, not directly to the employees who are the beneficiaries of the trust. Uh, there's some diligence that the ESAP trustee will do with respect to kicking the tires in the business. And that's part of its uh, process that it has to do as, you know, as a fiduciary uh, under law um, to, you know, uh, vet the business and make sure that the purchase price is, is fair, for example. But um, generally, no, the employees directly, at least, are not entitled to uh, corporate financial information. So then, so help me understand here, gentlemen, are there certain instances in which an ESOP is a, is a favorable transaction um, significant to family-owned businesses or businesses with, you know, only so many employees, or does it really fit any sort of corporate structure um, for someone who's just built a business and wants to sell? Most of the times, uh, the instances that we see, at least, are um, succession planning related. So it's the um, owner who is looking to uh, sell to a buyer perhaps hasn't had much uh, luck with in the private equity market, or they just maybe don't want to sell the private equity. equity. Mm-hmm. They really want to preserve their legacy and, and culture, and you know they're looking for an exit. Uh, and, and maybe they do want to uh, provide that sort of um, equity to to the employees and and, and preserve. Um, uh, the ownership of that company, you know, with, with the employees versus selling it to a third-party buyer who can, you know, do God knows what with it. So um, that's most, I think, the most common situation we see. Um, there are some other situations too, some sort of like, you know, a buyout of an inactive owner. Uh, you can use it as uh, liquidity for an owner because, again, with 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 the sale to an ESOP, it doesn't have to be the owner's entire interest. It could be a, a, a fractional interest or percentage interest and so you know the owner can still keep some chips on the table and still uh, keep some equity and still be involved so and sometimes we will see them in a divorce situation where the uh you know the husband and wife no longer want to work together so we have to find some way of uh dividing up the asset and an ESOP provide a tax beneficial way to help divide up the asset. A third way we see from time to time, not too often, but from time to time, is when the owner dies and you have the company stock in the estate, what the estate trustee or the estate executive is going to do with that stock? Well, there's certain benefits to selling to an ESOP. So that's another uh, potential opportunity for you to explore yourself. Uh, David, and we're talking with uh, both David O'Leary and Stephen McGall of Lavelle Law today as we talk about uh, employee stock ownership plans, ESOPs, getting a little bit of a uh, tutorial here. And, and David, I heard you mention trustee. I think Stephen may have done the same. In this type of transaction, who, who are the parties? Obviously, there's the, the seller, You've mentioned a trustee. You know who's involved in making this deal come together. Well, you mentioned some. 
we have the selling the uh, selling shareholders, and the company is owned by the selling shareholders, so the company is always the party. The company will most always have an East opportunity as part of the sale, and the selling shareholder often piggybacks on the company's attorney. So you have the company and the selling shareholder many times as almost like the same party. And then you have the buyer, which happens to be the ESOP trustee, who will have his or her own attorney. Um, then the ESOP trustee will have a valuation firm that it uses to determine the value of the company. Many times the selling shareholder will have one too, only to verify the numbers that the uh, ESOP trustee okay. comes up with. So those are the primary parties to uh, an ESOP transaction. Steve, what about the lender? Yeah, there could be a lender involved. Um, oftentimes there is. Often, often these ESOP transactions are leveraged where the uh, company would uh, borrow the funds from a lender and then turn around and lend, lend those funds to the ESOP which would then uh, be used as part of uh, the purchase price to the selling shareholder. So there's kind of a circular flow of funds there. And then, um, so there, there could be a lender involved and then the lender would, would make the loan generally to uh, directly to the uh, company. You both mentioned culture, which I think is a very important part of uh, corporate America today. Um, I don't know we'll get to talk about that much. I'd love to come back to it if we can, but you, you also mentioned, Steve, maintaining the legacy and culture of the, of the seller, what they have built. Um, but but appreciating that position, are there significant or uh, important risks with seller in terms of pursuing this type of transaction? Not so much in terms of culture or anything like that. The real risk to a seller is that when we do a transaction, that as Steve mentioned, we have to have financing for the transaction. Mm -hmm. The third-party lender, the bank, the private equity firm, whoever it may be, is not going to loan 100% of the ESOP purchase price. Therefore, the selling shareholders have to, shall we say, seller finance. Consequently, the shareholder is going to be holding paper for the next five, seven, ten years, whatever it may be. And the selling shareholder wants to make sure the business is profitable and continuing so mm -hmm. he gets paid on his seller note. That's probably the biggest risk to the uh, selling shareholder, which leads us to the fact that most of the time, one of the most important features or requirements of an ESOP company is a good management team because we want to make sure the selling shareholder is paid. Is, is uh, an ESOP favorable to a seller who simply wants to get out, they're ready to retire now, or is it more aligned with someone who says, all right, I want to be out in three to five years, let's make this a you know, period of transition, or does it work either way? We see both types. And part of it, I'll go back, come back to the management team. 
If the selling shareholder feel comfortable to hear the good management team in place, he probably will be comfortable just walking away in a year or two. If the seller is not that comfortable, he may want to stay around for a few years at least until his notice paid off. And before we go, a minute or two left here, uh, at the very beginning, um, one of you mentioned some tax advantages. Uh, can you just give us a quick overview of how this plays out and what it looks like from a tax perspective, particularly for the seller? Sure, I'll jump in. So um, it depends on, at least part, part of the answer in part depends on what the company is in terms of what 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 uh, type of corporation. Now, the, you know, these these entities that are involved in ESOPs, they have to be corporations. The company has to be a corporation. Okay. Um, so if the corporation is a mass corporation, then the advantage there is ESOP, uh, especially if it's 100% owner, right? Uh, if it buys all the shares, uh, the ESOP's not going to pay tax on its share of the S-corp income. So then you have a um, you know corporation that is essentially you know tax free. Um, if the company is a C corporation, then the selling shareholders have a tax benefit uh, under uh, 1042 of the code, which allows them to uh, defer uh, the gain on that sale of stock. Uh, very similar to like a 1031 exchange with respect to um, like real estate, for example. And David, I'll ask you one one thing before we wrap up, and then Steve, one more for you. But but David. I- when we talk about the employees, I mean, the owners, the, the primary shareholders, does the entire employee base have to be on board with that? Can it can it be some are shareholders and, and some are not? Or is that just start to get too complicated to even try and answer right now? Basically, ERISA has certain requirements on terms of participation by the employees in the ESOP. Any employee can always opt not to be in the ESOP. That's the employee's right. But uh, we don't, we're going to have, the selling shareholder does not have to get the permission or the consent or anything of the employees to do a transaction. It's strictly up to the selling shareholder. And one thing that we get asked very frequently do the employees get access to their company's books and records? And generally, the answer is no. Hmm. Okay. Um, we're going to stop right there. But, Steve, I know it's very important to talk. We, we've had you and David on here to discuss this. What what role can Lavelle Law play in these types of transactions? Uh, we were we, we could be counsel to the uh, selling shareholder and, and often the company, uh, as David mentioned, uh, the, the attorney for the selling shareholders often also the uh, company counsel in, in these transactions. We can also be counsel for the uh, ESAP trustee, the buyer as well. All right. Well, a lot of questions I'm sure that people have after, you know, taking a, a quick look here that we've done today. Uh, 847-705-7555 is the uh, main number at Lavelle Law. Give them a call. Stephen and David, I'm sure would be happy to take uh your questions and uh, share some more information with you. So gentlemen, thanks for being here today. Really enjoyed the conversation. And again, uh, let me encourage everyone to visit uh, lavellelaw.com or 847-705-7555. Thanks guys and uh, appreciate the time. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Jim.